I'd love you to turn in your Bibles to John uh, chapter 6, on page 1070. John chapter 6. Page 1070, and let's listen now to some extraordinary words of Jesus teaching us. So two weeks ago, we saw Jesus performing a miracle where he fed 5,000 people. Last week, we saw Jesus performing a miracle where he walked on water. And these signs that Jesus gives us are pointing us to the reality of who he truly is. In today's passage, there are no miracles and there are no signs. But what Jesus does is he takes the miracle, the sign that he performed, and he now explains what it means. So let's read from verse 25, and we're going to go right through to 59. There's a lot today, and it's pretty complicated. So follow with me as we read, and let's listen to Jesus as he teaches us. When they, that's the crowd who'd had the 5,000, uh, the 5,000 people who'd been fed. When they found him on the other side of the lake, they asked him, Rabbi, when did you get here? Jesus answered, very truly I tell you, you're looking for me not because you saw the signs that I performed, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. Do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life which the Son of Man will give you. For on him, God the Father has placed his seal of approval. Then they asked him, what must we do to do the work God requires? Jesus answered, the work of God is this, to believe in the one that he has sent. So they asked him, what sign then will you give that we may see it and believe you? What will you do? Our ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus said to them, very truly, I tell you, it was not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven. It was my father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, they said, always give us this bread. Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. And whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. But as I told you, you have seen me and still you do not believe. All those the Father gives me will come to me. Whoever comes to me, I will never drive away. For I have come down from heaven, not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I shall lose none of all those he has given me, but raise them up at the last day. For my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in him shall have eternal life, and I will raise them up at the last day. At this, the Jews there began to grumble about him because he said, I'm the bread that came down from heaven. They said, is this not Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How can he now say, I came down from heaven? Stop grumbling among yourselves, Jesus answered. 
No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws them, and I will raise them up at the last day. It is written in the prophets, they will all be taught by God. Everyone who has heard the Father and learned from him comes to me. No one has seen the Father except the one who's from God. Only he has seen the Father. Very truly I tell you, the one who believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. Your ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness, yet they died. But here is the bread that comes down from heaven, which anyone may eat and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats this bread will live forever. This bread is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. Then the Jews began to argue sharply among themselves. How can this man give us his flesh to eat? Jesus said to them, Very truly I tell you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise them up at the last day. For my flesh is real food, and my blood is real drink. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me, and I in them. Just as the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so the one who feeds on me will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven. Your ancestors ate manna and died, but whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. He said this while teaching in the synagogue in Capernaum. I think we should pray. Let's pray and let's ask that God would help us this afternoon. Father, thank you for these extraordinary words. We pray that you would give us understanding We pray that the same Holy Spirit who inspired John to write this down would now be our teacher. Holy Spirit, open our eyes. We want to see Jesus. Feed us, we pray. Amen. I think the more you look at Jesus and the more you listen to his teaching, the more extraordinary and remarkable he becomes. Let me show you what I mean. I think what you have in John chapter 6 is some of the most simple and some of the most complex and deep teaching that you could ever hope to experience. So what I want to do first is I want to show you how simple what Jesus says is. It is very simple. And then I want to show you how profound and brain-stretching and deep what Jesus says really is. This is like two sermons, simple one first, difficult one second. You take your pick. (laughs) It is so simple what Jesus says. He is a master teacher who speaks in ways that we can understand. He uses language and images and ideas that are familiar to us and that, that we get. So if you want to sum up the heart of what Jesus is saying in John chapter 6, it isn't that hard to see. He says it three times. He says, I am the bread of life. He talks about bread. Now that I am statement is the first of seven statements that Jesus makes in John's Gospel. If you've been here for a while, you might know there are seven signs 
that point to his glory, and there are seven I am statements that tell us about his identity. And the beauty of the I am statements is that Jesus takes really ordinary stuff, stuff that we understand. Things like light, and bread, and shepherds. We're not quite so familiar with them, but they would have been, and we can get it, it's not difficult. And doors, we know about them. You see, Jesus used this really ordinary, simple stuff. Because really what he's saying is not hard to understand. He says, I'm the bread of life. If I said to you as you came in this afternoon, listen, I know it's complicated, but I, I want to explain to you how bread works. You look at me as if I was mad. I, I, went to, um, I went to shop and I bought a loaf of bread. I bought some bread. I felt like it would be helpful this afternoon. And I was surprised to find it doesn't come with any instructions. It doesn't seem to have a manual to explain what to do with it. I don't, I don't get it. I nearly asked the shopkeeper, I'm really sorry, I, I bought this, but I'm not sure what I'm supposed to do with it. I mean, even a kid knows, right? You give a baby a breadstick, they know what to do with it. They don't look at you as if you're mad. They take the breadstick and after they've smashed it on their head a few times, they eat it. Even kids get it. It's simple to understand. When I am hungry, bread feeds me. Food satisfies me. And so Jesus takes this simple, simple idea and he says, right, I am the bread of life. That is what Jesus wants us to understand this afternoon. It's not difficult. If we just look down at the passage, let's walk our way through. I've now got a loaf of bread here. This is in the way, but never mind. We'll come back to it later. Jesus has already performed an amazing miracle where he made a lot of bread and fed a lot of people. They are now looking for Jesus and they say to him in verse 25, Rabbi, when did you get here? He doesn't answer their question. In fact, he completely ignores it. Instead, he says, very truly I tell you, you're looking for me not because you saw the signs I performed, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. Jesus says, all you want is more bread. You want more physical food. Jesus says, the physical food I provided for your body was only a small picture of the reality of what I came to do. Bread for your body spoils. It doesn't last. It has no lasting value. Jesus says, I have come to do a work which lasts forever. You see, the reality is that humanity, human beings, as a race, we are a hungry people. We are hungry physically, and that is why we eat. But we are not just hungry physically. There is also a hunger at a deeper and more profound level. That is why it is possible to have all of your physical needs met. To have all of the food that you could want, to have all of the money that you could want, to have a place to live, to have everything sorted. You could have everything. You could need nothing and still find that you're not content. 
still find that you're not happy, still find an ache, oh, let's call it a hunger within you. What is that? You say, well, that's okay. Perhaps I could find something else that will fill that hunger. Obviously, it's not physical stuff. Perhaps it's relationships or people or other things. And so we get more and more and more stuff. We accumulate more and more. And yet reality is that many of us find the hunger just doesn't go away. We're hungry. And the Bible explains that hunger perfectly. The Bible says our hunger comes from a need that we have that is not physical and it's not purely emotional, it is deeply spiritual. The hunger that we have is because we were created for something or actually let's say someone that nothing else can satisfy. We're hungry for the God who made us. He is a good, generous, beautiful creator. We've already sung about him this afternoon. You were made by him and you were made for him. And the hunger that you feel is a hunger for him. And now Jesus comes and he says, I'm the bread. It is a staggering claim where he says, I am the one who can satisfy you at the deepest and most profound level. So jump down to verse 35 and look at it with me. Look at the claim that Jesus is making. Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. And whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. There's the claim. Just as physical bread satisfies our physical hunger, Jesus is the bread who satisfies our spiritual hunger completely and forever. That's his claim. That means, without Jesus, you cannot ever find true satisfaction for the hunger that is deep inside you. You can ignore it. You can pretend it's not there. But you can't satisfy it. Because he's the bread of life. And Jesus says this, I am the bread of life, three times in this passage. He says it in verse 35. He says it again in verse 48. I am the bread of life. And then he says it again in verse 51. I am the living bread. And that's the simple message of this chapter. And for some of us, that's what we most need to know. For some of us this afternoon, the simple thing you need to know is that your deep dissatisfaction and hunger is met by this man, Jesus. And that will mean giving up on finding satisfaction for our souls in other things and turning to him. That was the simple sermon. Now what Jesus does, and I don't want you to lose sight of that, okay? Don't let go of that simple truth that Jesus can satisfy you fully and forever. Don't lose that. But man, he goes deep. 
And I want us to see this now because it will help us to not just go, oh, that's nice, let's put it on a poster. And we could go, oh, Jesus is the bread of life. And we could walk around and go, that doesn't really mean anything, but it sounds nice. Jesus loads it full now of meaning. In fact, to the point where, we'll see this next week, but the crowd who hear it on the first time he says it, do not say, oh, that's nice, let's make a poster. Instead, the crowd who first hear it say, that's too hard, we're leaving. It's a hard teaching that Jesus is going to say. That's what they say in verse 16. This is a hard teaching. So if you find this teaching this afternoon hard, you're in the same boat as these guys. It is hard. But there is a secret of deep contentment found right here. So let's dive into now. We're going to go into the nitty-gritty of the passage. We're going to work our way through it. And we're going to see this simple truth now fleshed out in three very profound ways. Firstly, I want you to notice that the Father gives the Son to the world. It won't surprise you if you've been here for a few weeks that the kind of the, the depth of this is going to rest on the relationship between the Father and the Son. Right? If you've been here the last few weeks and haven't picked up that I think that's important in John's Gospel, then we've really missed something. In John chapters 5 and 6, the Father, God the Father, God the Son, their relationship is critical to understanding everything about what Jesus came to do. That's why Jesus keeps talking about his Father. That's why Jesus says at the end of verse 27 that he is the one upon whom God the Father has placed his seal of approval. Jesus says, I've come and the Father approves of me. You know when you go to an approved salesman and they've got a little sticker in their window that says, we are approved. Well, God the Father has put a whacking great stamp on Jesus and says, this one, I approve of him. And their question in verse 28 once they realise that Jesus seems to know something about God, is what must we do to do the works God requires? Okay, Jesus, what have we got to do then? See, here is their assumption. If we're going to get this satisfaction, if we're going to get this relationship with God, we're going to need to do something. Some work to be done. This is how many people view God. God sits in heaven and he's got some requirements. I've got one or two things that I need from you. Ever felt like God's like that? Perhaps you, uh, perhaps you know what it's like to have entry requirements to something. Perhaps to university, you needed to get certain grades in order to get in. Or, in a slightly more superficial way, on that, uh, that awful moment when you go to a theme park and you want to ride on the big roller coaster and you stand in the queue... And there's that horrible person who stands with the stick. goes, you're too short. You don't meet the requirements. You've got to push your way past, back past all the people. Of course, if you time it right, you can uh, act really brave. If you know you're too short, you can act really brave and then go, oh, shame, I can't ride it. Anyway, that's another tactic. But often people feel like God has got some requirements and he's got this big stick and we're queuing up and we're going, do I, do I, meet, do I meet the grade? God, sorry, too short. 
I mean, not, phys- not physically, God's not against short people, like, full stop. <laughs> You're okay on that one. But we feel like God's got these requirements. He's got this standard that we're supposed to meet. He's got this bar that we're supposed to jump over. Whatever the picture is, what are the requirements? What have I got to do to get in? I love Jesus' reply. He takes their language and he says, okay, this is the work you've got to do. The work that God requires is believe in the one that he sent. You've got to believe in Jesus. That's what you've got to do. Which isn't a work at all. Because to believe is not something that you say, wow, look at me, aren't I impressive? To believe is to say, I can't do this, but Jesus, you can. So let me be crystal clear. If you want satisfaction with God, if you want to know this relationship, it's this simple. All you have to do is believe in Jesus. Yeah, what else? Nothing. Really? Yes. There are no other requirements. You don't have to get a B, a B, and a D in humanity. You just need to just believe. They ask this ridiculous question in verse 30. What sign then will you give us that we may see it and believe in you? Right, if, you've been, if we've read right from the start of chapter 6, we should be laughing at that point. They just sat and had bread that Jesus provided miraculously. Come on, give us a sign. Well, you mean that one wasn't enough? I wonder if it's because in, in, the, in the Old Testament, in the history of the Jewish nation, God did that every single day for 40 years. Yeah, that was yesterday's miracle. We want another one now. Do it again. Do it again. What sign are you going to give us? Our ancestors ate manna in the wilderness. They had it over and over again. We've just had it once. Disappointing, really. And Jesus says to them, very truly, I tell you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven. It's my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. See how important that phrase is. It's my Father who gives you the true bread. It's always God who gives. God is not sitting in heaven with a list of requirements. He sits in heaven with gifts that he gives. We've seen it already this afternoon. He is generous. He gives and he gives and he gives. He doesn't require, he gives. And he gives this bread. You can't earn it. You can't buy it. You just receive it. This is the bread Jesus is talking about that comes down from heaven. This does not come from humanity. You can't find this anywhere. You can't make it or buy it or get it from anywhere else. It comes from heaven, from the Father. Verse 34, they're still confused. They say, always give us this bread then. And then Jesus says, I am the bread. Here's the key. Jesus does not just simply give you bread. He is the bread. If you come to Jesus just saying, Jesus, could you sort all my problems out? Jesus, could you fix this, this, this and this? He says, no, I want to give you myself. All too often, we come to Jesus wanting what he can give us rather than wanting him. You've got to come for him. You've got to come because he's the bread. You've got to come and feed on him. You've got to come because you're empty and there is nothing. And it's not just that Jesus will give you some nice stuff. He will give you himself. It doesn't get better than that. 
And so the Father gives the Son to the world. He says, world, I'm going to give you the best gift I've got. I'm going to give you my Son, the true bread from heaven that will satisfy you forever. Beautiful. But verse 36 is very strange. But as I told you, you've seen me and still you do not believe. Huh. It's a bit of a downer. After all this great God giving, giving, giving. Okay, now, now we're going deeper again. Now this is going to start to stretch. Because the second thing about this bread of life is that the Father gives people to the Son. Hold on to this. The Father gives bread to the world. The Father gives the Son to the world. But now we discover that actually what's going on is in this relationship between the Father and the Son, the Father is giving people to his Son. Look at what it says. Verse 37. All those the Father gives me will come to me. Whoever comes to me, I'll never drive away. For I have come down from heaven not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. This is the will of him who sent me, that I lose none of all those he has given me. So now it flips the whole thing completely around. Now it's not just the Father gives the Son to the world and we go, well, what should we do with this bread? If it's simply that, that means it's all down to you. You've got to choose. You can accept the bread or reject the bread. It's up to you. Oh. If only we could see what was going on within God himself. The father so loves his son that he says, Son, I have a people that I'm giving to you. If you come to Jesus and eat the bread that only he can give, if you find him to be all satisfying to you, you are a... This is mind-bending. You are a gift from God the Father to God the Son. You are caught up in this relationship between God the Father and the Son. Such that the Father, for all eternity, has willed, has chosen, has decided, has purposed that he will give a people to his Son. And then he sends his Son and he says, now gather your people in. And as Jesus comes into this world, people are drawn to Jesus. They come to Jesus. Jesus keeps them. He holds them. He saves them. And then one day he will raise them up on the last day to life forever. This completely flips everything around because we think it's all about us, right? God loves me. So he sent Jesus to die for me because I'm lovely and of course God would want to do that. And I've decided to follow Jesus. Isn't Jesus lucky? And now I'm going to follow Jesus and one day I'll go to heaven when I die. What about if the story is different? What about if the story is the father so loved his son, so loved his son, that he said, son, I want to give you the most precious and beautiful gift that I could ever give you. I'm going to give you a people who will be yours. Oh, what about us? Sorry, hello. We, what about me? No, it's about the father and the son. 
And our deepest joy is that we get caught up in that. If you're feeling confused, it's all right. It's hard. But the Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in him shall have eternal life and Jesus will raise them up. Now, at this point, the crowd get a bit upset and they grumble and they say, hang on a second, we know this Jesus. He didn't come from heaven. He's from Joseph's town. He's done... Who's he? Jesus says, stop grumbling. He says, no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws them and I'll raise them up at the last day. It's written in the prophets, they will all be taught by God. And so what God is doing, what the Father is doing, is drawing people to his son, Jesus. Is showing them the truth of Jesus. Is teaching them. You are taught by God. You didn't work it out. Listen, if you, if you get Jesus, if you understand that he's the bread of life, you didn't work that out. It's not because you're clever It's not because you saw something that no one else saw. It's because God the Father showed you who Jesus was because he wanted to give you to Jesus so that Jesus could save you, keep you, and raise you up at the last day and have you forever. Does that make you feel small? Does that make you feel precious? Do you not see the genius of what Jesus is saying? The same truth at the very same time both humbles us and yet gives us a value that is way beyond what you could ever imagine. The Father so set his love on you that he chose you to be a gift for his Son. That's good. It's the only way to come to Jesus. And at that point, if we begin to feel uncomfortable... And we begin to think, oh man, this all sounds a bit weird because what about those who aren't drawn to Jesus? And does this mean that some can and some can't? Well, look at the next verse. Look at verse 47. And here's the, here's the last thing. The Son gives his life for the world. Look at verse 47. Very truly I tell you, the one who believes has eternal life. I'm the bread of life. Your ancestors ate the man in the wilderness, yet they died. Here is the bread of life that came down from heaven, which... Anyone may eat and live and not die. Anyone. You see it? So yes, there's this thing going on between the Father and the Son, and yet at the very same time, Jesus says, I'm the bread, anyone can come. Whoever, 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 whoever believes, whoever comes, whoever wants to come, I'll never drive them away. There will never be one who comes, and Jesus says, oh no, sorry, not you, (laughs) I didn't choose you. No, everybody who comes, anyone who comes, the invitation is for all. It's the broadest, biggest, most beautiful invitation that's ever been made. Come, come, you who are hungry and eat. Come and buy food without money. Come and eat and be satisfied. So we must not sit there and go, well, I'm not coming because the Father didn't draw me. Yes, he is. He's doing it now. Do you not see? That's what's happening right now. He's drawing you to his son because he loves you. And now you're coming to the son and saying, Jesus, give me food. And Jesus says, I will satisfy anyone who comes. And then he does this weird thing about flesh and blood. Just as we thought we were getting to the end. Flesh and blood, we'll do this really quick. Because it's really simple. 
You got, I mean, you've got to imagine, right, if you're sitting in church that day, and this man, Jesus, is the visiting preacher. He's in the synagogue by this point. I don't know what point he went to the synagogue, but he's there now. Here's the visiting preacher. Jesus, you've got a nice message for us? Yes. I'm the bread of life. Okay, that's slightly weird. And then he starts saying, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life. And he probably didn't say it like that. <laughs> what is going on? Jesus says that his flesh and blood must be given. Now, Jesus is clearly not talking in an absolutely literal sense. In the same way that when I say to you, I'm so hungry I could eat a horse, I don't mean it. I do mean I'm really hungry. So when Jesus says, my, my, my body and my, my flesh and my blood, he really means that he's going to die. He doesn't mean you physically eat it. He means you spiritually eat it. Right, let's go back to my loaf of bread. Just to wake us all up. Here's a loaf of bread. This is how it works. If my loaf of bread sits on a shelf and I look at it every single day and I talk to it and I say, good morning, bread. Thank you for being there. I want to thank you so much that you're in my life. I want to thank you for the way that you watch over me. I want to thank you for the way that you're always there. I can always talk to you thank you. And I go off on my way. You would realise that I'm a complete fool. (laughs) This is the way it works with bread. It's much more brutal than that. I walk up to the bread, I come to the bread and I say, bread, it's either you or me. (laughs) One of us is not going to survive today. Either you die or I die. In order for bread to do me any good, it has to stop being bread. It has to die, right? It has to give itself up. It has to be crushed and digested. There is sacrifice even written into the way that we eat. And Jesus says, when I'm the bread of life, he says, in order for you to have life, I have to die. Jesus says, my flesh has to be broken and my blood has to pour out so that you can live. Because Jesus, as he dies on the cross, is crushed and destroyed so that we could live. So that he could hold himself out to you today and say, I'll give you life. Jesus had to die because that's what I deserve. He had to die because he took what I deserve. He took my death. He was crushed in my place so that I might feed on him and live. And that means to come to Jesus, we come to him to eat. Not simply to have Jesus sitting on a shelf and to go, Jesus, I'm so glad you're in my life. Not to sing songs to Jesus as if it's going to do us any good at all. Not to go around and say, ah, yes, I've got Jesus on my shelf. You've got to eat. That is, you have got to trust him. You have got to put all of your confidence In him, when I break off a bit of bread and eat it, I'm saying, bread, I trust you to give me life. And I don't literally do that. That would be so weird. But when you come to Jesus, 
You have to eat. Do you know what I fear? So many of us live our lives with Jesus over there rather than Jesus in here. You see, when I eat the bread, I am joined with the bread and all the benefits of the bread become mine. When you trust in Jesus, when you come to Jesus, when you eat of Jesus, you are joined to him and all the benefits of Jesus become yours. His life becomes your life. He lives because the Father lives and now he gives his life, that is the Father's life, to you. There's mystery here. But it's profound. And so Jesus says, whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. As we finish this afternoon, and I, I get that there's been a lot, I get that it's hard. I'm not pretending this is easy stuff. And you will have loads of questions. Next week, at the mealtime, we can have a question time. You can ask all your questions and we'll have a go at answering some. But for today, I just want you to see the simple, beautiful truth that Jesus is the bread of life. He's a gift from God the Father. And you are a gift from God the Father to the Son as you come to Jesus. And Jesus gave his life so that you could live. So will you eat? Reality is it humbles us and it also tells us how valuable and precious we are. So this week, every day, will you eat? If you have bread this week, will you approach your bread differently this week and let that remind you of the way Jesus has treated you and loved you? Why don't we bow our heads and pray? Heavenly Father, there is such beauty and such depth here. There is such majesty and wonder. But Lord, thank you for this simple truth that our hungry souls can be satisfied by Jesus and Jesus alone. So Lord, we pray we'd give up on all other fake bread, all other things that cannot satisfy, and that we would take hold of Jesus, that we would come to him, that we would believe on him, that we would eat and trust him. Lord Jesus, please satisfy us. And thank you that as we do that, we become part of this extraordinary plan, Father where you give a people to your son and that we are safe and secure and we cannot and we will not and we shall not be lost because you've given us to your son. So Lord, we pray that we would go from here feeling satisfied, secure, humble and yet deeply valued. Lord, thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.